Hello, and welcome to Abel Chimes. This week, we'll be meeting Stephen Depretis, who's just finishing up a meeting with Garon Starwich. It's late at night in the Crypt Digger camp, just a few weeks before our adventurers are facing off against some horrific circumstances in a cave not far from here. Garon has just finished explaining to Stephen once and for all the predicament that she finds herself in. So, that's where I'm at. You can understand why I lead the way that I do. Oh, completely, Garon, completely. I completely understand why you have to do these things, why you have to make these decisions. I couldn't imagine being in your position. Well, I could, which is why I sympathize with you. <laughs> but, you know, nevertheless, I also can't imagine the strains it places on your, on your state of mind. But nevertheless, I can sort of, I, I can get a grasp of it. Have I made myself clear, Garan? You have. Yes, I, I take no pleasure in sharing that story. So, well, Garan's voice is, is deep tonight. Been on a bit of the old, bit of the old whiskey, Garon. I'll be off to bed now, Depretus. So, suits me. Off on your rounds. Think I'll take a, think I'll take a walk in the woods, Garon. Clear my head. Very well. And she dismisses you with a firm nod of her head as she turns to leave. Stephen Depretus leaves the tent and makes for the back of the the already pitched tents in the area. He makes to inspect some of them, making sure they're still securely fastened, and then he indeed goes into the woods, holding a lantern aloft. A few hundred paces in, he sees the sign on the tree. A simple wedged shape. And he turns around, looking for his contact. Make an observation check. Two and a six, so not quite enough. Not quite enough. Stephen the Pretus looks left and right in the woods, but he doesn't spot the contact until he's tripped up over the man's boot, ah! and this man laughs a deep laugh. <laughs> Stephen the Pretus, I find you at last. He says. Oh gosh, I didn't see you there. It's alright you know why I'm here. I do. The boss says. And he makes the familiar hand sign of the triple foul. Keep making money any way that you can. We need to keep raising funds for when the tide turns. Of course. You know that I've been extending my tendrils into every in the different business ventures that this cryptic and company comes across. You know how my entrepreneurial ventures are beginning to bear fruit? We trust in you, Stephen. We'll see that you're handsomely rewarded for your efforts when the time comes. Farewell! And he strides off into the wood, blending in in his perhaps out-of-place black suit. Stephen the Pretus 
returns to the camp, finishes his rounds, and makes sure that everything is secure. The final check that he performs is to test the tripwire. He gives the taut wire a little flick, and only he is able to hear the tinkle of a bell. Last time, a few of our party members squeezed through a narrow crevasse in order to return a pair of shepherds to the outside world. So it was Anchor and Caradon who helped Mabel and Harold back out to safety. And just as they were about to leave the cave, they came face to face with their colleague, Stephen Depretus. So, meanwhile, in the man-made section of this dark cave system... <laughs> meanwhile, back at the range, We find Victor Von Thorn and Vitalia Snyder left alone together in the dark. And it's at this point that I should retcon something which um, occurred to me after last week's session, which is the fact that um, you disposed of your torch in fighting the uh, wolf fetuses last time and this section of the cave is therefore pretty dark so i imagine one of you would have lit another torch since it was safe to do so so i'm assuming that um victor von thorn is holding a torch illuminating this um well what's the atmosphere in between between you two as you're waiting imagine it's kind of awkward it's um inevitably pretty it's quite Pretty frosty, given Vitellius's general demeanor. Yeah, and he is like hundreds. Of, there's a, quite an age gap between us, so that can't be that can't be easy. We can do we can do like a, an enemies to lovers thing. It'll, it'll be great. Yeah, yeah, okay, right. I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try and start some conversation with um, Snyder. All right. Um, so Snyder, um, what was this um, cult slash organization that uh, you're a part of? Tell, tell me more about it. Sounds pretty cool. You wish to learn more about the cult of Gragor. Oh, oh, so you do call it a cult yourself. Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah. <laughs> yes, we are a cult. We're cultivating the love of the great spider god, Gragor. Oh, is that where the word cult comes from? Uh, yeah, I mean, you tell me, you know. Cultivate. I, I, what do I know? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah t- please tell me more about your spider man. Of course. Well, he's not really, he's not really a man. He's greater than all men. Gragor. He is trapped beneath the earth, put there by the ancients, feared his power. But my cult, we seek to raise Gragor through a ceremony. We'll raise him, bring him to the earth, and he will spin a web. A web that will cover the whole wide world. This worldwide web will bring harmony, will bring peace. (laughs) 
We will all be. Not an actor. All of those who are worthy of Gragor's love will um, find comfort and peace and stillness in the, in the great world by web. But those whom Gragor despises... Hijacked by, hijacked by, you know, multinationals and large corporations, you know? Multi... Multi-what? Multinationals? What is... What is a, what is a nation? What is national? Um, so, from what I understand from my limited education, um, a nation is like a group of people led by someone. So is... Are we the nation of Gragor? That's quite a cool name. Uh, I, might, I mean, we could relaunch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, go for it. What's up, Greg? So, so these days, these days, we try not to admit that we're a cult because that's got like a bad reputation. So, yeah, oh. nation of Gregor's might be a good. Yeah, revamp. ask him. Ask him if he's heard of Tim Berners Lee. Uh, have you heard <laughs> <Sir>, Tim Berners Lee? <laughs> Yeah, there's this um, there's this uh, knight that I was uh, that I worked alongside called Sir Tim Berners Lee. He was um, he he mentioned Gregor. He had some. Meanwhile, <laughs> <laughs> no, this whole episode has to do about this conversation. In some ways, it will be. Um, we'll we'll explore that shortly. Um, but on the other side of the crack. I'm, I'm going to look forward to mentioning the other side of the crack. <laughs> That's not a good phrase. <laughs> he said crack. Um, I, I mean, we can call this episode the other side of the crack. It, just, it sounds vaguely autobiographical, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Which of the characters is it a biography of? Uh, I've got some ideas and I don't want to share them. Um, so Anka and Caradon don't know Stephen Depretus particularly well, but obviously his face is familiar. You travelled to this cave with him, and when you last saw him, you were being led by the fearsome and stalwart Erewhon Tank, who has since vanished Rest into in the peace. depths of the R.I.P. So, um, how do you convey this to Stephen when you encounter him? I thought we I already, think we already discussed that. Didn't we? I think Stephen yeah, took a grip we... check. He was very. <gasps> oh yeah! Shit! He failed the grip check. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> R.I.P. Um. Okay. So let's let's pick up that scene then. A goddamn gold mine, you say? That's right. Most crypticers don't understand this, but the true source of wealth in the world is not the treasure that one can occasionally dig up from beneath it. The true source of wealth is the, uh, are the materials, the raw materials that go into the processes of production that keep ordinary life going. What production? Uh, so you're saying as long as we own the means of production... Um, we'll make a lot of money. Exactly. In fact, we may become we may become <laughs> almost a sort of ruling class. You see, in this stage of society. <laughs> That's a bit ambitious, don't you? Uh, I like the sound of that. Yes, sounds like it's going to require a lot of labour. Oh, it will require labour. But all the great families, remember, they all started off as adventurers, bandits, conquerors of some sort or another. 
and look at them now, they sit on their thrones, in their great towers. Soon, it, the, the cycle will begin again. What towers? What towers? Just, I mean, just general towers, you know. Rich, rich people living in towers. The wizard, oh, Ivory towers. I, I didn't say anything about the Wizard of the White Tower, but, you know, towers like that. White towers. Okay. So you're saying it's, it's just a bunch of people in white towers who own the means of production? I mean, I, I like the idea of ivory myself, but um, yes, they, they, you see, they own the means by which the, uh, the goods that circulate throughout this world and fulfill daily needs um, of the poor and the rich alike you know, if you own the way, own the means of producing them, then you can make a hell of a lot of money. Most cryptics don't realize this. And money can be exchanged for goods and services. I got that reference. Um, I understand now. I'm on the same page as you. How, do, how does Anka, Anka feel about this, uh, this particular worldview? Not a super fan. That's why I said ambitious. Ambitious, don't you think? Oh, that was supposed to be sarcastic. Okay, I didn't get that. <laughs> it was a skeptical of the, of the ambition. Do we need? Do we need like a jingle for sarcasm? Just so, but when one of us says I'm sarcastic. Oh, another bell. We can get another yeah. bell, just like sarcasm bell. Different tones. <laughs> Ring the sarcasm bell. <laughs> one bell is enough. <laughs> um. Mabel looks frustrated at this conversation ongoing while she's holding a severely injured man on her Guys, shoulders. Guys, could we stop talking about the possible opportunities here and get me to the fucking medical attention? Get me some fucking medical attention. Uh, how? Where? Um, I mean, it's just woods outside, so... I have alcohol in my bag. If you want, I can give you that. You can <laughs> use, use a stiff like drink. Morphin. <laughs> okay then. Okay. Then I I I didn't think about what type of alcohol I have in my bag, but yeah, sure. <laughs> I think whatever type of alcohol you have, Mabel will be happy to take it off you, and have a swig. All right. Done. Catch. Oh. Oh, that was even a drinking noise. Nice one. <laughs> uh, normally, you're not supposed to include those because it grosses people out. But like, that's now it's Foley work. I'm just recording so. Foley, you know, always nice. in the background. Yeah, it's good that you do it in time because then you don't even have to move it around. It saves the editing work. Exactly. Later. But this whole conversation is making more editing work for me. So. Oh, sorry, Jamie. Um, okay, so. Mabel and Harold are escorted out of the cave. Are you just going to leave them there? What is your plan? And what, what happens next? I assume Stephen returned with some orders. So Stephen has just spent the past how long you've been in the cave, several hours at this point, um, communicating the location to, back to the base camp. Ben, I don't know what, if you want that to have been that Stephen trekked back. Um, marking the path out as he went or communicated by some other means. Um, I'll leave that up to you. Well, I think you would, yeah, I think you would certainly, I think you would have marked his path along the way back. Um, but mm -hmm. he's conveyed the information to the uh, leaders of the camp, to Arthur Estricar et al., uh, by means of a okay. hand drawn map. 
Okay, so he delivered that himself? Yes, and has now returned. There are no specific orders beyond um, continuing with their mission of extirpating the wolf plague. Well, I, I imagine the existence of this gold mine that we're sitting on would change the orders, given that the wolves are inextricably linked with this production. Well, yes, but this is an opportunity that Stephen has sort of identified upon being informed about the reverse honey, um, rather than something that was known beforehand. I think. Okay, so, so yes. job yeah. done. Let's go back and tell everyone and we can make lots of money. I would think so. He All who right. controls the reverse honey gets the money. <laughs> <laughs> tell them about the reverse honey, mommy. <laughs> the wolves make the honey. We make the money. <laughs> <laughs> One of those will make the cut. <laughs> Meanwhile, in the cave, um, unable to hear much of this conversation, Victor um, <laughs> Thorn is getting deeper into conversation about the cult of Gragor. So this, so like this Tim Berners-Lee, who is he? Is he a great <laughs> wizard? <laughs> no, he's just a knight. It was a bit weird. Um, so oh, tell me, yeah. uh, how, how can I? How can I? Uh, how, how do you accept new members to? Uh, the nation of Dragor. Wow, that was so quick. He's already converted you. <laughs> I mean, you, wish totally be- easily led. you wish to become an Arachnolite. Well, no, just... well, to be honest, like, if crypt digging doesn't work out, it's good to have the fallback option. Um, I'm just interested, really. Um, Becoming a member Jack- of the nation of Gragor will Jack- require your full, unstinting devotion to his cause. Uh, mm. To be honest, it's I'm just... Yeah, it's quite a lot of commitment. I'm just... Um, just a bit looking to meet new people, really. It's a bit of a, <laughs> a bit of a stinted devotion. It's a new area for me. Ah, uh, I suppose to start out, you could begin by reading uh, Ragor's eight-point plan. You see, for uh, Ooh. it's if you're feeling a bit, you know, you need your your life has lost direction. You're in a rut. Ragor's got an eight-point plan for revitalizing yourself. Oh, that sounds right up my street. Uh, I don't have one on me, but uh, if you get me out of this cave, I will introduce you. It'll be the secrets for uh, revitalizing your life. To who? And become, maybe then you'll be ready to be an Arachnolite. Okay. Everyone roll an observation check. That everyone in our... That everyone. 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 So you're going to have to roll a bunch. Everyone. Anchor rolled a five. five. Victor rolled a twelve. Um, Vitalius got a nine. Was it Ben? That's right. Uh, Caradon got a five. Six. Ah, a six. Sorry. Get it right. Don't insult me. You sure told me. <clears throat> um, and one for Mabel and Stephen, please, Ben. Uh, Mabel got a three, and Stephen. Got a six. Fantastic. So that means it is only Victor and Vitellius who passed the roll. That's very unlike me. And, well, like, geographically speaking, it's quite convenient. But um, mm. you hear from 
deep in the cave, a guttural roar that echoes even into the partly isolated chamber that you find yourselves in. And I didn't hear this. It vibrates through the rocks. Um, Well, you're you're in conversation and there's some noise from outside that might be interfering with it. Um, But but no, it's a, a deep roar, loud enough to transfer through the rocks of the cave, but clearly not as far as the entrance. And a few moments later, you hear a harmonized whining song. Just a few notes sung together, but because there are many pitches, um, it after your attention has been drawn, you just ma- managed to make it out. Dear God. Is it aliens? Are aliens here? <laughs> um, Damn it, Snyder, did you hear that? I did. That sounded like a song from the depths of the earth. I mean, that's, yeah. That's exactly what I'd say. What? Have you heard that before? From, like, before? It must be... It must be Gragor calling out to his followers. Oh, shit. You heard it too. I did. It means you must be destined to be a follower of Gragor. Ooh. This is a great day. Um, um, yeah, okay. <laughs> um, brilliant, I think. Um, I can't believe I'm the wrong side of the crack to be destined. <laughs> <laughs> great recruiter. Um, great job. Okay, so what? we never finished establishing what um, what the others are doing with um, Harold and Mabel. Mabel. Well... We just we just all leave now. We drop them yeah. off, and then we go back to the camp and say, "Actually, we're not going to kill the wolves because of all this money that we're going to make." Yeah, okay, that's that's fine. Come back with there's some more experienced crypt diggers, and there's just a slight snag of the fact that um, Victor couldn't fit through the crack with his with his armor. He's just too broad. He's just too too he, big of a boy. He can take it off. All right. So, are you, are you going to stick around for uh, for Victor to take his armor off and squeeze through the crack? Oh well, yeah, we'll go back and tell Victor the plan because he he, he has right. to come. I don't know what we're going to do with Vitellius. He can just do whatever. <laughs> Surf the web, I guess. Hey. Need a wolf tamer for this job. Yeah, wolf tamers—they're really extremely common in day-to-day life. Just like, just like in the real world. But I could have been <laughs> one if you let Slimy live. I mean, <laughs> the, the fact that we domesticated dogs, I feel like, means um, that um, Jamie. <laughs> there's a wolf tamer inside of all of us. Slimy was destined to die by my <laughs> boot. What was uh, what was Caradon's catchphrase again? Um. Oh, I, uh, yeah. I just kicked the shit out of him. That's it, yeah. <laughs> he was destined to get the shit kicked out of him. <laughs> okay, so uh, your your plan goes into action. Um, Stephen, I guess, it escorts Mabel and Harold outside. Is probably experienced with dealing with wounds, so w- would be tending to their 
to their first aid treatment, um, while Anka and Caradon go back to um, explain the plan to the other two. That seem all right? Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. So before anything else happens, um, I just want to remind you all that several of you are running low on grip. Specifically, Anchor is down to two. Oh boy. Um, Caradon is down to uh, two also. Uh, Victor is at... One? No, Victor's still got three. Like he's still he's still going strong basically because he's he's just brushed off so many uh, close encounters with unsightly things. Yeah, but two is plenty. Um, That's half what I started with. It is. Uh, I just wanted to give you this opportunity if if any of you wanted to um, remedy that situation. Bearing in mind that if you fall to zero grip, then you'll have a similar fate to Arowan. Yeah, but I can just do something about it after I fall to one, right? Um, maybe. You could conceivably be in a situation in which you're faced by multiple rapid things that simply test your sanity to the limit. Yeah, or one extremely um, terrible thing which results in a loss of more than one grip. I'm just, I'm just putting it there. Just something bad is going to happen if you don't, if you don't want to do anything the... with it, Jamie. You're in it's great fine. danger. So, Caradon and Anchor convey the plan to Victor, and Vitalius, uh, you know, looks on, presumably is involved in this conversation, and in return, Victor mentions the noise that they just heard from deeper in the cave. What did you guys hear? The uh, that that singing from from the deeps. No, just what? just the normal singing inside my head. Oh uh, no, this was this was unearthly. Of course, they would not have heard it. Listen to them talk of gold and earthly riches. How can these be chosen by Gragor? I didn't say gold. I said reverse honey. It's very different. <laughs> Liquid gold. Well, everyone knows that he who has the reverse honey has the money. <laughs> 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 I, I believe I've heard that also. Yes, hey, I've heard it said. <laughs> I'm, this is the power of having multiple characters on your control. Uh, guys, I am rather concerned that uh, I somehow inadvertently become a follower of Gregor, um, and I'm now hearing him sing to me. Uh, yeah, it's quite unsettling, yeah, really. It's probably fine. Um, and maybe it's the walls. Maybe it is the walls. Maybe it's that, the silence. That, maybe the. That, that would be reassuring. Maybe someone is running with the wolves tonight. Hey, <laughs> hey. Um, sorry, okay, I wouldn't know that. I wouldn't know that. Let's, let's leave. Yeah, I'm, I'm, <laughs> that's enough references for now. I yeah, think. We're, we're, we're quickly overloading. It's all the about podcast. the pop culture, guys. Okay. Yes. Um. Yeah, I feel like I would like to leave just in case there is a massive spider after me. All right. Um, Snyder, are you going? You leave me with no choice. I can't remain alone here. I knew we were becoming friends. Come on then. But you must on no account mention that I am a follower of Gregor when we were among the wider camp. Um is sorry, uh, sidebar. Is um is Snyder wearing <laughs> like his big spider cape? I don't know. Um He's wearing a cape. Does it have spiders on it? Uh I forget. 
I feel like we found some clothing which did have. Uh, I think I think it was decorated with um with a spiderweb kind of pattern. Yeah. Okay, well, maybe they won't notice. Okay, I won't tell anyone. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a man of my word. Yeah, I mean it's extravagant, but not like explicitly Gragor themed. Yeah. Okay, I'm a man of my word. I shall keep your secret, Snyder. Trust only the spiders. They speak the truth. Yeah. Yeah. Just like in real life. That's why they're silent. It's a good policy. <laughs> no, they're not they're not silent, they speak. You know that. Oh. I did not. Is that what they used to do like hundreds of years ago when you were like roaming the world? Because they they speak only to the followers of Gragor. Uh, of course. I mean, this is fascinating, guys. But <laughs> yeah, okay, sorry. We could, we could just leave. Yeah, following you. I'll just shimmy off my armor. Okay. Um, so I've, I've made an ominous reference to the further dangers that lurk in this crypt. But our crypt diggers have made the wise decision to retreat for now and return with greater resources and backup. Well, I was just going to send someone else. But... That's fine too. Tracking back to the camp, our adventurers come across a, a confrontation, if you will. Just outside the entrance of the camp, Sir Arthur Estricar is fending off the aggressive advances of a middle-aged man who seems to be intoxicated and is demanding some answers. Now, sir, I'll have you step away, please. This is intolerable, intolerable behavior, and the Crypt Diggers are a well-respected authority in the land that I demand you show some deference to. Oh, yeah. There's no, there's no way that you lot have seen him. I know what you're like. It's probably you that took him, wasn't it? It was probably you. You, sir. You, that's why you're not letting me in. It's because you did it. Sir, so, uh, oh, um, uh, my esteemed colleagues, if you could, uh, if, if you could intercept this, uh, this unseemly gentleman. Yeah. Remove him from my person, if you please. Well, Victor's, Victor's night training kicks in because he's used to dealing with ruffians. He's like, please, stand aside, sir. And he grabs his shoulder with his arm and just sort of doesn't throw him, sort of moves him aside with force. Right. <laughs> just lightly tosses him. <laughs> yeah, lightly toss him. Um, so I haven't stressed heavily how aggressive this man is being, but um, he's really up in... Sir Arthur's face. So I'd like you to roll a brawn check, please. Yeah. Uh, okay. Okay, roll a seven plus two for brawn. Seven plus two is a nine. Success. Uh, so you handily move him to the side, and in his intoxicated state, he trips and falls onto the ground and shakes his fist at you, says, How dare you, sir! Knocking me over like some bum. Well, your behaviour has a... Uh... Yeah, it's pretty shit. <laughs> uh... <laughs> yeah, you tell him. <laughs> I'm trying to think of something backhanded, but I'm just... <laughs> I can... I'll have you know that someone in this camp took my friend Bob. 
Bob, what is uh can you give us a description of this Bob? Uh he's got he's got a red face. Yeah. Drinks a bit more than me, you know. Yeah. Got dark, luscious locks. More hair. More pride in his hair than I ever had. And he's got some brand new trousers that I I know damn well you crypt diggers like to steal nice clothes and whatnot wherever you go. That is a slanderous accusation. Yeah, beautiful trousers. The uh, good guild of crypt diggers would, uh, would ever stoop to such depths. We, we go to literal depths. Well, it's a sure thing that will give away anyone that stole his trousers. Because he kept in those trousers a gift that I gave him myself. Shiniest pebble you ever damn saw. Interesting. Right. So I'm looking for a pebble. I'm looking for a shiny pebble in someone's trousers. I, I remember. Ooh. I remember um, some trousers that may or may not have had a pebble in. Really? Where was that? Um, in in the crypt. They they were on a skeleton. Oh. So. It was you that. I didn't say any of that. that out took of his that. trousers. <laughs> ah, okay. <laughs> Fair enough. I'm just uh briefing my companions um <laughs> so it it wasn't actually a um a skeleton it was on a um a body a pair of legs, pair of legs. with with no torso attached oh, i'd forgotten all about that yeah i believe i licked it oh, you yeah, did I the grip check <laughs> yeah did. i lost the grip because of not just because you I just edited that episode. <laughs> did you? I would have remembered it anyway. Did you lose the grip because Jamie licked a pebble? It's a very delicious pebble. <laughs> Dear God. Horrific sight. What <laughs> possessed him? Bob continues his, his story. I thought Bob was the other guy. You're right. <laughs> Here's the catch. They're both called Bob. <laughs> oh, <laughs> That's why they get on so well. But it's fine. Only one of them's still alive. So yeah, it makes it easier. We don't, don't even. We don't need like Bob one and Bob two. It's like alive Bob and dead, dead, dead Bob. Bob. <laughs> he doesn't even know that he's dead yet. But he's about to what, dead. Dead Bob. Not alive Bob. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, de- he's, he definitely doesn't know he's dead. You so what? You found a dead body, but you actually so... found a dead Bobby. <laughs> so what were you saying, alive Bob? <laughs> How do you know my name? <laughs> oh, yeah. I just assume. I guess. <laughs> well, I saw Bob just two days ago. We, uh, we drink together at a local pub. Bob and Bob drinking together. We're the best of mates. I gave him that pebble, you know. Anyway, he went off saying that since they, there wasn't a... Usual ritual to Diana anymore. He was going to get an early night. That was the last I saw of him. But you know which direction he was headed? Right towards this dirty camp. No, that so can't. Since he hasn't come t- to join me last night, I figured I'd come and take a look for myself. That can't be true. I saw Bob the other day. He was walking the opposite way to this camp. How do you know Bob? He gets to his feet. Well, you described him so so vividly. I remember his his luscious locks and uh, like very new trousers. And he showed me his pebble actually. 
I showed you. So you spoke with him? Oh, yeah. What? What did he say? You might be the last person to have seen him. him out of his misery. He just said he, just said he was going on, on a little trip. I don't know where. He didn't tell me. You wouldn't go on a holiday without, without telling me. Well, still suspicious of you lot. Okay. Anyway. Have a nice day. He goes off, um, grumbling. And uh, Sir Arthur Ashkar nods summarily at you, um, appreciating the fact that you managed to defuse the situation. So after this um, altercation, uh, you move into the camp. And since he's still relatively fresh, uh, Stephen Depretus goes and discusses the details that you've reported to him to uh, Sir Arthur Estrakar and the leader of the camp, Gorin Starwedge, while you relax by the fire. Another member of the camp. Um, let's give them a, let's give them a name. Um, Durham Gurren escorts Mabel and the Star Unconscious Harold back to the adjacent village, and we have a good hour or so to recover while there's discussions about what to do next. But your relaxation is interrupted when a decent-sized crowd of people um, is seen leaving the woods in the direction of your camp from the village. You know they're from the village because you recognize one of the leading members of this crowd as Bob, the intoxicated man that you only just met. But the person right at the front of this crowd is a tall, imposing, older woman um, wearing a black cloak with a green lining who is striding forward with long, graceful strides and makes a beeline leading the village people towards the <laughs> largest tent. That's quite some crowd. Bob, recognising Victor, says, Yeah, I knew, I knew you were up to no good. I knew I, sh- I knew I should have gone and prayed to Kozel and Diana about this. That you tried to trick me, didn't you? As the leader of this crowd approaches the tent, um, Sir Estrakar steps out um, and intercepts her. And when she calmly demands to see the leader of the camp, um, he opens the curtain and allows her entrance and then properly closes it so that none of the other clamoring members of the crowd can enter. And then he steps over to the group and clears his throat, as he's wont to do. And follows it up with... Look sharp, lady and gentlemen. Seems you've got the privilege of setting up our exploitation of this valuable resource. Oh, fun. Logistics is my strong point. Well, yes, if, if you need someone to do some heavy lifting, uh, look no further. 
I'm following my initiative here, but if my instincts are anything to go by, then any second now, Garon sweeps out of the tent, followed by this older woman in the black and green robe. And she addresses the people from the village, saying, Right! Seems we've got a lot of visitors today. Welcome. Welcome. I hear that there may be more problems in the village than have been reported to me. And also that you may have caught wind of the valuable resource, she says, making scare quotes, that my employees have discovered in the recovery of your fellow villagers. Now, it seems to me there's been a misunderstanding. You see, what's been uncovered is a health and environmental hazard that my company is taking it upon ourselves to remedy. You see, these are terrible, terrible wolves that have been infected or perhaps contaminated with uh, this strange acidic substance which has completely run them wild. And we have every reason to believe that um, this could continue, uh, that other wildlife could get contaminated and uh, come back and, and harm your fair selves and the property that you hold so dear. So um, my employees, and she looks over at Arthur, who um, clears his throat again uh, with the implication that you should all stand to attention. I immediately get off my feet. Yeah. I reconsider giving a thumbs up as I was about <laughs> to. <laughs> <laughs> And Gorinth continues, my employees are taking care of the situation and having recovered from the ordeal of their first encounter with these wolves will now proceed in a calm and orderly manner to inspect the premises and establish the best means for remedying this problem. And the People of the village are, are kind of uh, have mixed feelings about this. There are some naysayers who don't believe a word of the story, and others who think that sounds quite reasonable. Most notably, um, Harold's father, who is just relieved to have his son back and knows the devastation that these creatures can inflict. But one person who isn't having any of it is this woman in the dark robe who addresses the village people who also are members of her parish and proclaims that Kozal and Diana would not stand for the resources on their land to be exploited by outsiders. Listen here. I don't trust a word that these outsiders are saying. 
about this health infection, this health problem that they are going to remedy. You see, they tell lies. They tell lies to keep our resources from us. To keep the wolf honey that Kozal and Diana have granted to us and that belongs on their land, on our land. They want to take it for themselves, so they tell lies and deceive us. But ye should not listen to them. We shall take that wolf honey. We shall sell it to the world for use in the mining industry and other industrial processes. And we shall be a wealthy village once again. Thanks be to Kozal and Diana. Now, uh, okay, I can, I can see why you've gotten all riled up here with, um, sorry, what was your name? I didn't, I didn't catch it when you swept in earlier. My name is Kartareska, and I am the priestess of Kozal and Diana. As she announces herself, um, several of the villagers um, do a little half-step where they drop down to one knee and then onto both knees and then stand up with the other leg. And then they put their hands up in a Y. <laughs> and um... <laughs> Yeah. God, I could have done that, couldn't I? But I won't. Pure. True to form. Um, Due to the craft, yeah, you've got to you've got to create a a rich but believable world in this in this kind of scenario. That's believable. Um, <laughs> that's going to happen later, isn't it? Oh well, Garon continues, but um, if it would help garner your trust, perhaps you can send one of your members as uh, an envoy to see the state of this discovery for yourself. You see uh, any more than one, and we won't be able to guarantee their safety, but at least one can bear witness. Yes, please. Please take my word as an honourable knight that uh, it is very deadly and uh, you villagers would, would be torn to shreds and then burnt with acid. So I think the crypt diggers... To shreds, you say? I say to shreds. <laughs> oh, I what a great Futurama reference. <laughs> so yes, don't, uh, don't push us away too hastily. All right. I'll come along. Bob. Alive Bob is one of our proudest, most upstanding citizens. Oh, he will Jesus accompany Christ. you. He also he has experience. He's been horizontal most of the time. He may drink a lot, you see, but he's been through a lot. He has long experience at the mining industry, and he knows the value that uh, reverse honey can have in uh, allowing you to dig mine shafts without uh, the use of explosives and the uh, many uh, dangers that that can have in terms of injury or even death. And he's seen a lot of that, you see. And so he is yeah. well-placed to assess the value of this wolf honey, which I am sure that you outsiders, you crypt diggers, are trying to conceal from us. Oh, Carteresca. You do me an honour with your words. Yeah, all right, I'll come along. Even though this mm. voice is really hard to do. 
<laughs> yeah, Bob's coming. Pleased to have you, Bob. Welcome aboard. Um, right, let's we'll restock, resupply, and then get back down, I guess. <laughs> Carteresca doesn't seem completely satisfied, but since Bob volunteered so willingly and the village people seem conflicted about the whole situation, um, she decides to save face and sweeps out with the same grace that she swept in with. I'm not surprised they're conflicted. Like one of them is a construction worker, one of them's a mm. a caricature of a Native American Jamie, I didn't get that reference either. That's literally <laughs> the village people. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's the reference. Google the village people. <laughs> you should be. That's the first thing you'll see. You shouldn't get on the wrong side of these people because they do have a powerful navy. <laughs> <laughs> you can't claim my, my references are too highbrow for you and <laughs> I reference the village people. Who we've already been talking yeah, about. But uh... <laughs> All right. So the village, the villagers disperse, and and ten minutes later, you're regrouped with Bob, waiting on the edge of the camp, as Sir Arthur explains the situation. Most of the personnel are out on other missions. And since it seems that we need to secure this resource as swiftly as possible or to stand a chance of these nosy villagers um, doing themselves a disservice by investigating for themselves, we need you to go back in, I'm afraid. I know that you don't have much experience, and it's my understanding that Erwan had an unfortunate accident of some kind. Uh, Stephen wasn't entirely clear was on the rather horrific. details. But, um, yes, you'll have to be responsible. Now, be clear that we don't, strictly speaking, need you to dispose of the wolves, although for the future safety of the uh, operation, it may be necessary to get rid of them sooner or later. Rather, we... We need you to establish as clear, clearly as possible what the source of this substance is. Because if the source can be removed from its current location, then we may be able to exploit this without having to disturb this neighbourhood any longer. You understand? Understood, Sam. Of course. Don't worry. We will, we will find the means of production and we will seize it. <laughs> True capitalist. Copy down. All right. The workers can't work for themselves. Uh, okay. Success. Our party's heading back to the caves, this time with Bob in tow in place of the shepherd duo. Alive Mabel and um, unconscious... Harold have been replaced with a life bob. Yay. Nobody tell him about dead Bob. <laughs> Why are we not telling him about his dead friend? Like, is there any... Um, 
just didn't feel like it. Yeah, fair. Well, I it imagine his game to go away. Could be quite awkward. One of, one of his reasons for coming and volunteering, uh, volunteering himself would be to possibly find Dead Bob. Mm. Absolutely. But I told him, Bob, Dead Bob went on a trip. Who knows where that might be? I doubt he believes that. Yeah, and if no one else has seen him, then he's probably going to uh, be suspect that these wolves that people have been complaining about have something to do with it. I mean, he may be a drunkard, but even a drunkard has some common sense, right? Uh, especially one that is that has a lot of experience in the mining industry. You know what they say, a drunk man is right twice a day. Anyone can be an alcoholic. That's the message here. But not anyone can be a miner. A crypt digger. Yeah. Everyone is a miner at one point. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Our party heads back through the woods with Bob in tow. It's now um, mid-afternoon. It took you uh, an hour or so. No, a few few hours to find the place. Um, You were in there for a few hours. And it took you maybe 45 minutes to get back since you, you had a precise route and went searching for a trail. And so, yeah, you, you get there mid-afternoon. And as you re-enter this cave, something feels different. All observation checks. Uh-oh, spaghetti-os. Damn, I failed it. Roger an eight. Vitellius receives a nine. All right, I should roll one for Bob as well. Anchor got a 10. 2d6. Now, obviously, oh, Bob rolled an 8, but Bob wouldn't have any frame of reference anyway. So, um, Anchor and Vitellius notice that there's something different about the light coming from the back of the cave. It's only a, a subtle difference, subtle enough that not everyone immediately notices it. But where previously it was a bright what we in the mortal world would describe as neon yellow. It's now very slightly redder. A hint of blood mixed in with that deep yellow colour. And all of you here, deep in the cave, an entire pack of wolves howling in unison. to Abel Chimes. You can find us at abelchimes.com. You can email us at achimingbell at gmail.com or send us a message on Twitter at abelchimes. That's so raven. <laughs> it is pretty raven now that you mentioned that's, it, Josh. That's, yeah. Oh, so you get Josh's <laughs> references. Oh.
That's rather racist. <laughs> oh, mine, mine are lower brow <laughs> in general. We'll catch up. You're just a, a, a tier one, above us. Mine was all. for Futurama. That's not highbrow. I watched Futurama, Futurama but I didn't highbrow. get it. I, do, I, I, I don't even remember the joke. Is this the Rip to Shreds? Yeah. Ooh. I had yeah. to cut all that out because it was just like three minutes of you all being confused by my references. <laughs> we should well if you cut it out, then you should bring That's it in shame. at another point, and we'll all be like rolling at the floor laughing. <laughs> it won't be the last time that you have to cut out three minutes worth of you explaining references. I'm afraid. James. Yeah. 